Hey there, and welcome to the Rock Reavers podcast. Here we are all about believing and proclaiming the word. We're totally given to true worship and obedient in taking the gospel to the nations through missions. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you'll be blessed by this message. I am a winner. I am a victor. I have changed my mind and my attitude to reflect what God says about me. I can do all that God says I can do. Nothing is impossible from this moment on. And I am after my purpose. Please sit on your challenges. Amen. We are looking at the demands of conquest or the disciplines of conquest. Amen. This is a teaching message, so I want to take my time. Just tell, tell the preacher, preacher, take your time. Amen, amen. We began in the book of Joshua, and we have been examining what then does it take for us to enter into the promised land that God has called us into. We already established theologically that the promised land does not speak of heaven because in heaven there are no battles. In the book of Joshua, we are presented with a promised land that not only had battles, but also had inhabitants. It therefore then suggests that the promised land of the scriptures does not speak of heaven, but speaks of the purpose that God has called us to live. It speaks of our areas of conquest. It speaks of our, the areas God has called us to dominate on and the areas that God has given us light to rise on this world. And that could be in politics. That could be in industry. That could be in education. It could be in family and so on. We have also followed and, and seen that Joshua and Moses did in fact leave Egypt with the intention of getting to the promised land. And for 40 years, they walked in the desert, round and round in circles. And we've established now that just because you set off on a journey does not mean that you will reach the destination. God's presence notwithstanding. It is clear from scripture that the presence of God was the pillar, was the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. That God did walk with them. They set off on a journey to go into the promised land. But just because they set off does not mean that they will arrive. And we come to a place now where we must examine our lives closely because life is interesting. It is the only activity in life where you are living for the first time and for the last time at the same time. That today is today and tomorrow is tomorrow and it's gone forever. And we therefore then must begin to consider our lives seriously and to take our decisions carefully because to, we have today. It is clear now that Joshua and Moses continue to walk into the desert and then Moses dies and Joshua crosses over the Jordan and we are now at Jericho and by obedience they enter into Jericho. Scripture says in Joshua chapter 6 verse 1 that they enter Jericho by two things. One, by conversation with God which is prayer, but they also entered into the city by vision. And that is very important, that we come to a place where we are able to experience God not only by 
prayer only, but also by vision, that the man of God, that the child of God, that the champion of God that enters the city that God has called them to enter into must have a very strong and robust prayer life. But that robust prayer life must be matched by obedient action that is subject to the will of God. That prayer and practice must become twins for us to enter into the city of God. And now in Joshua chapter 6 verse 3, scripture says something that I want now to show us. It says, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, Joshua chapter 6 verse 1 and following. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho unto your hand, its king and the mighty men of Vela. And at that time, the reality on the ground was such that they were still far away. They were three weeks away from the city of Jericho. They were far away from the wall. But God says, see, I have given you the city. See, I have given you the king. See, I have given you the men of Elas. Three things that God will always give you. The first is that he will give you territory. The second is that he will give you the king or the owner of that territory and the third even those people who will come and distort you from that territory god is saying i'm giving you those ones as well and now he says but but i have given you jericho unto your hand the king the mighty men of Vila. now verse three instruction that you shall march around the city all you men of war you shall go around the city once this you shall do six days and now after vision, after prayer, and we enter into vision, now he brings us into instruction. And it's important for us to begin to realize that the quality of life we lead de de depends upon the quality of instruction we are following. That instruction then becomes the foundation of conquest. Have you read Proverbs chapter 4 verse 13? Bible says, take hold of instruction. In fact, some version says... Take fast hold of instruction. Keep her. Do not let her go. Why? Because she is thy life. God begins to demonstrate to us that the quality of life we are living depends upon the quality of instruction we are operating on. And in order that we walk securely, he gave us his word. It's important here now that for the man that will take the city to correctly prioritize the word of God in their life, that the word of God is not the suggestions of God, that the word of God is not the ideas of God, but that the word of God is the instruction of God. The difference between a car and an airplane is the instructions they are commanding. It is the instructions they are operating on. It is difficult for a car to take off, not because of the manufacturer, but because of the build of the car, because of the laws that the car is working on. The, the car is working on kinetic energy. It's working on gravity, while the plane is working on aerodynamics. It is very important now that we see that for us to take the city, there is instruction. Just because you left Egypt does not mean you will reach Canaan. Amen. And we have to be sensitive enough to understand that just because our desire that is noble, and it could be humble and it could be sincere, that you desire sincerely to enter into your large place does not mean you will reach there. There were many sincere men, but they were disobedient. And they died in the desert. They never entered inside. Instruction is key, he says here. That you shall march around the city, all you men of war. 
you shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall, seven, shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. He says, and it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when they hear of the sound of the trumpet that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up every man straight before him. It is important here, there is a Hebrew concept called the prophetic perfect. Have you noticed that God is speaking as though he's describing yesterday? You know the way you can say, yesterday I woke up in the morning. And then when I woke up, I, I, I went to the sitting room and lifted up my hand and prayed. And then I entered the kitchen and poured some yogurt. Is there somebody who takes some yogurt in the morning? You know, I poured, I had some uh, hazelnuts. You know, I'm trying to graduate from groundnuts. Des said that uh, we are in the second year. Things must be different. You know, you have some hazelnuts. You have some Brazilian nuts. Ask your neighbor, do you know Brazilian nuts? You just know Brazilian hair. There's also Brazilian nuts, neighbor. <laughs> and he's describing with so much finality. The Hebrew call it the prophetic perfect. That because God was, and because God is, and because God is to come, he does not speak as though he is guessing. He says, you will walk around. And then after walking around, you will blow the trumpet. And then after blowing the trumpet, the city will fall down. That is the dimension of instruction God is calling us to. That we can walk sure-footed because we know that let God be true and every man a liar. Praise the Lord. God is not under duress to speak. And his promises, decrees, and commands are not to impress us, but to instruct us and firmly position us in this walk of life. Instructions. Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of rams, horns before the ark of the Lord. And they said to the people, proceed and march around the city and let him that is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. Then he said, so it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of rams, horns before the Lord advanced and blew trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed went, be went before the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear gate came after the ark. Scripture says in verse 10, now Joshua had commanded the people saying, you shall not shout. You shall not shout. You shall not make any noise. With your voice, nor shall a word proceed your mouth. So God now reveals here a very strange strategy. And it is clear now that the methods of God are not the methods of man. Amen. Have you read the book of Proverbs where scripture says, is it Proverbs chapter 12 verse 24? That there is a way that seems right to a man. But the end of that way is destruction. Listen, God does not rise, God does not lift men using the ways of men. God does not use the methods that we expect him to use. He uses unlikely methods. In this instance, he says that the strategy was keep silent, be patient, but keep moving. He said keep silent, be patient, but keep moving. That sometimes there can be silence in our lives. But silence does not mean defeat. And God said, when the city wall is before your face, don't shout. 
that when I'm in the midst of challenge, God said, I want you to be patient. I want you to keep silent. And I want you to keep moving. It is Jesus that told us, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. If you know agriculture, you'll realize they argue and say that when a seed falls into the ground, it enters into a place of darkness. Yet the plant needs light for it to do well. It, enter in, it enters into a place of darkness. It enters into a place of death. It enters into a place of obscurity. It enters into an opaque atmosphere. It enters into a place that looks like now it is completely dead. And sometimes that's how our lives look like. That something can happen in our lives and we could be walking in this walk and it looks like the wall of Jericho is forever on our eyes day one. And I'm walking around the mountain. One scholar argued and said the reason why God made them walk around the walls is because he wanted them to appreciate the magnitude of the walls. Listen, challenges are real. We are not living a life without challenge. We are not living a life without difficulty. But God says, rise in spite of the difficulty. God says, rise in spite of the challenge. That is why he said, we do not have a high priest that is not empathetic with our infirmity. That God knows this challenge in our lives. And God is saying, don't ignore challenge. God is saying, don't play it down. I want you to walk around it. That even in the face of challenge, there's a requirement of movement for the disciple of Christ. Praise the Lord. That if I can keep putting my foot ahead of the other one, victory will surely come my way. Look at Psalm chapter 37, verse 34. Is it 34, 37? He says that if you wait patiently for the Lord and be found faithful, will he not grant you the city as an inheritance? That there is a place of patience. Tell somebody, tell your neighbor, I'm waiting on the Lord. But it's a waiting on the Lord that is, it is collaborated with obedient action. It is not a waiting of, on the Lord that is apart from obedient action. It is waiting on the Lord but moving. So they were patient and silent. But what were they doing? They were moving. Tell your neighbor, you got to keep moving. You have to keep moving. It doesn't matter what is on your back. It doesn't matter what the landlord has said. It does not matter what is going on at work. It doesn't matter how hot the challenge is. It doesn't matter how difficult the situation looks like. God said that my strategy for the season is that you, 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 you'll be silent, yes, but keep moving. Keep moving. Never stop putting your foot in front of the other foot. There is no reason strong enough to keep you stagnated. Amen. Praise the Lord. And scripture continues here. My focus is actually chapter 7 today. I'm just trying to lay a foundation here. And he says, Joshua rose early in the morning. And the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Let me just take a quick diversion and encourage some of us to start waking up in the morning. Amen. Oh yes, let me stay there first. Wake up in the morning. Wake up in the morning. Wake up in the morning. I cannot pray for your CV before you wake up in the morning. Amen. I cannot pray for your business before you wake up in the morning. Do you know scripture says that Jesus Christ resurrected in the morning? Uh, it seems we didn't read the scriptures. Aha. Uh -huh. It says, what time did Jesus Christ resurrect? In the morning. Praise the Lord. Tell your neighbor, wake up in the morning. 
Let me make a bold prophecy. Now, we are, we are raising a church that of people who wake up in the morning. Hallelujah. You know, I, I used to have this uncle of mine that I used to find extremely strange. And this uncle of mine was in the village. Now, you know, what happens in the village in those days is that you'll have the main house, which, which you can call headquarters. You have the main house, and that is the first wife and the, and the old man. And then you have other wives surrounding him. It was like a round circle like this. You know what I'm talking about. You want to tell me you don't know what I'm talking about. I know you know what I'm talking about. And now one of those, this is my grandfather. So one of, the, one of his wives had a son called, um, he was called Odiambo. And this guy, every day, when we, he, he would wake up early in the morning, he would polish his shoe very well, put on his dress properly. He always combs his hair. Now, he didn't have sophisticated lotion like you. You know, some of us are in Cantu cream. You are in, uh, what is it called? What is that? Our mauve, eh? Bath and body wax. You know, he just had Vaseline, but he applied that Vaseline of it. Sometimes he would run out of Vaseline and he'd used, he'd used milking. You know that milking multipurpose, Aramis. Ha! And the man would apply oil on his hair very well. And then he would take his black, my, my goodness, the Bible used to call black mamba. He would take his black mamba and cycle very proudly, as though he is riding on the latest Mercedes GLE. And the man would, drive, would ride his bike, get to the shopping center, buy a newspaper, come back and sit very proud. You might think he's the MD of a nation. And I asked him, why is it that you always wake up in the morning, yet you have nothing to do? He said, this thing is a mindset. Amen. Because he said, when the opportunity comes, nothing is changing in my life. Because the variable is the opportunity. The variable is not me. Amen. Tell your neighbor, wake up in the morning. And Joshua rose early in the morning. Scripture talks about how Jesus would wake up in the morning to go and pray. Praise the Lord. Bishop Oedepo said, you know, you cannot be saying Kankara. Kankara, that's praying in tongues at 4 a.m. And you're praying Kankara at 5 a.m. And then Kankara at 6 a.m. He said at 7 a.m., shut up. Up, go shower, get out of the house, and go and engage in the marketplace. Amen. And Joshua rose up early in the morning, and the priests took the ark of the Lord, then seven priests bearing seven trumpets. Amen. And victory came. Verse 20 says, and the wall fell down. You know the story. And scripture says that the, that the wall fell down flat. Now I want us to move into our sermon for today, which is the which is the what? The disciplines of conquest. Now, they have conquered Jericho. If there is one key they used to conquer Jericho, it was obedience. That strict adherence to the obedience, to the instruction of God, delivered the victory. There is strength in obedience. Amen. There is strength in obedient action. And we must balance the gospel of grace by firmly asserting that it is obedient action subjected to God's sovereignty that gives the victory. It is not ignorant folding of the hands and waiting for God to move. It is not if God desires it, it will happen. No, it is God has desired it. And I obey, I obey by acting. Yes, Praise the Lord. I obey by acting. Has God willed for a successful marriage? Yes. I obey by loving my wife. That is obedient action. 
Has God willed for business success? Yes. But I obey by ensuring my hand is always doing something. He says a little rest, a little folding of the hand to rest. And poverty shall come unto you like a thug. Does that cancel God's desire? No. He has desired that in all labor, Proverbs chapter 10 verse 23, there is profit. Huh? But idle talk tends only to what? Poverty. Praise the Lord. So it is God's sovereignty, but it is my obedient action. By obedience, they conquered the city. Now, today's teaching is centering around what then are the dangers? Right? What are the dangers? What are some of the issues that we'll begin to deal with when we are walking in purpose and we are coming to a place where God has called us? What are some of the matters that we have to keep in mind? Now verse 7 says, but the children of Israel committed, I'll start with keys now, and they're going to be three today. Let's make it five, so that next, next Sunday I can come with chapter 8 to chapter 12. But, children of Israel, but the children of Israel, now look at this. The story is that they have finished Jericho. Such a great victory. And now there is another city. The second city is I. Now I was not as big as Jericho. Now scripture says something here and I want you to see a very interesting insight. Scripture says in verse 2 that now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethaven on the east side of Bethel and spoke to them saying, go up and spy out the country. Does that seem familiar? You remember that, right? Did he not do the same thing to get Jericho? He did. Do you agree? Did he yes or no? Come on, do I have a church this afternoon? Did he do it or no? Did he spy the land? Did he collect intelligence? Aha. Uh -huh. Now I has come. Yes or no? He went and did the same thing. Yes or no? Did he get the victory? So the victory is not in the methodology. Amen. The victory is in the condition of your heart. And I will demonstrate that shortly. That at Jericho, they spied the land. They took the land. At I, they spied the land. They did not take the land. And Joshua is about to start crying. I will show you in verse, in verse, verse, verse 9. He will start crying and renting his clothes and, and confessing and putting ash on his head. And God will rebuke him. But to focus now on verse 2, he says that he sent men to Jericho to I. Spoke to them saying, go up and spy the country. This is a teaching message. So the men went up and spied all of I and returned to Joshua and said to them, do not let the people go up. He says, don't waste your time. This is a small city. We are used to victory. This is a small matter. See the arrogance of victory. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your good time sending many men. Just send 3,000. People keep saying that what I want, if listening to secular music will, will make me fall. No, that is a small matter. Don't waste your, don't pray too much about that one. I am able to handle that one. Somebody said that don't, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor sit in the seat of mockers, nor stand in the way of sinners. No, Jesus also died with the sinners. Jesus ate with them. He hung out with them. You are not Jesus. Amen. The only interaction we have with the darkness is when we are winning them. Amen. Amen. For what association is there between the temple of idols and the temple of God? 
He says, come out from among them. Be separate. And I will be your God. And you will be my people. Praise the Lord. There is, there has to be a distinction between the people of God and the temple of idols. There is no small challenge. And I deal with us being careful and grateful enough to celebrate the victory of yesterday. But we have to be sensitive enough and alert enough to know that at any one time, the enemy, our enemy, is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking one to devour. That I can come from a place of victory and enter into a place of destiny abortion because I have underestimated the agenda of the enemy. Scripture says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, we are not ignorant of his devices. He says, be alert, in and out of season, making prayers. God is calling us to a place of alertness. Amen. And the story continues now. Just send, just send a few people. <laughs> Do not worry now. Chapter 7 is an interesting narrative because it's between the story of Achan and the story of Israel. It goes back and forth. It's like the way the movie starts with the deja vu, then you come to the main synopsis. Or oh, you suspected your pastor doesn't know a word like synopsis. What are you talking? Amen. <laughs> and the men of I. Huh? You know, I like this message because my friends from Machakos really, they are the ones who understand this thing more. Huh? If you ask a Machakos person, how do you spell I? I? And that's exactly what happened. They went, just a few men. Scripture says that they were chased. Huh? There's a guy who said they were chased like a rat on the highway. And 36 men died. They, they, was, they was struck them down. And their hearts of the people melted and became like water. Because they played with the enemy. Solomon asked something. Shall you take coals on your bosom and not get burnt? Evangelism, dating. I'm coming where you are. That you know, these church boys, they are very boring. And this guy I'm dating, you know, once in a while, he's very exciting. And I know I'll bring him to church. I'll lead him to Christ. I pray for him a lot. But see, you know, the problem is that you don't understand love. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They were chased. They were struck down. Praise the Lord. This is a teaching message, and I like the silence in church. I love it. I, I, because I'm coming to a neighborhood next to you. Uh-huh. Don't play with the enemy. Never underestimate the enemy. Haven't you heard of people who coughed in the morning and in the afternoon they died? And sometimes when we begin to pray, you can see how our mind is. Because it's a very lazy, casual prayer. Says the, the underestimation, the arrogance of victory, the arrogance of greasy grace. Says God has already done it. Let's just go. Just 3,000 people are enough. <laughs> now look at this. They were pro properly defeated. So it is possible to walk with God to come from victory and then get defeated. It is possible. Here are the scriptures. And it's interesting that God says the reason why 
the defeat happened is not him. It is you. Praise the Lord. Now I want to show you something here and here is the first key. Verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, no, let me read for you from verse 6. So then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel. And they put dust on their heads. See that? And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought these people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites? To destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns it back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off your name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? Look at verse 10. Thank you, Jesus. He says, so the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie on your face like this? Israel has sinned and they have transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have taken some of the accursed things and they have both stolen and deceived and they have also put it among their own stuff. Dealing with Achan. Because God said that the spoil of Jericho is accursed. And should not be touched. And God says, the reason why I did not fail, fall is because of disobedience. That it is disobedience that brought the defeat. Now let me show you something here. Joshua was praying, but prayer does not cancel the consequences of disobedience. Amen. Number one, there it is. There it is. That prayer does not cancel the consequences of disobedience. That God is willing to save and to forgive. But prayer does not cancel the consequences of disobedience. That when I'm walking in disobedience, defeat is very close by. And what is God calling you to do today? What is the disobedience in your heart that the Lord is addressing right now? I know you know what I'm talking about. And God is calling you now to a place of obedience again. Because you remember those days that how you walked in victory. How prayer was refreshing. How fasting, how you are committed to fasting and you are committed to ministry. And right now it seems like those are stories of your yesteryears. God is calling you again to a place of fiery obedience. To a place of quick obedience. That walking with God and then I enter into disobedience delays my advancement in the city of God. In conquest, there is a demand for consistent obedience. Amen. Now I want you to show, to show you something else here. Scripture said, but the children of Israel, verse 1 again, committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. Look at verse 10. The Lord said to Joshua, Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. God is saying that when I look at you, and this is a second Hebrew concept, which is called corporate consolidation that when god looks at you he looks at us and when he looks at us he looks at me 
because God never designed this life to be walked alone. That the health of the church is the health of the member. And the health of the member is the health of the church. And when he looks at us, he does not say Achan has sin. He does not say there is sin in Achan's house. He says there is sin in the house. There is sin in the house of God. And God is saying, listen. When there is sin in the house, defeat is the, is the order of the story. And we will not encourage anybody to be comfortable in sin. That when you come to church, by the preaching of the message, it's either you get uncomfortable and run away, or get convicted and change. But there will be no comfort. They, you will not sit on these seats that as a women pray for all the time. Comfortable in your sin. And there is sin in your heart that God wants to deal with. Expose it today. Amen. Achan had hid the thing under the tent. But when God looks at Rivers Church, he must look. I'm not trying to say that only those that have dotted their I's and crossed their T's and are perfect should come to church. Church is for the perfecting. But I'm trying to say that the mindset of the child of God must be that I must decrease, that he may increase, that there is no comfort. We will not make you comfortable in your sin. Amen. That you are lifting up your hand in worship, but you are shaking and homemongering and in gossip and, and, and in reveling and in alcohol and alcoholism and in, and in wardom. No, 1,000 times no. Because when God looks at us, he sees us as one. And that is the place of accountability. That you need to check on your brother. How are you doing? Because how they are doing is how you are doing. Amen. Community. How they are doing is exactly how you are doing. When Chester sees Gideon is falling astray, he needs to hold his hand. And he needs to pull his hand. In fact, scripture says when you see one falling astray, go and pull his, pull his hand. Pull him back. Praise the Lord. What sin is God dealing with you in your heart today? That is hidden. That is conveniently hidden. You know, you can come to church and say, okay, I'm all right with, I'm all right with that. I'm okay with the worship. I'm okay with the word. As long as I am not being called out. As long as I'm not being addressed. Ain't it interesting that Achan was misbehaving on top of God's victory? Can you imagine? that the walls came down. See, the walls came down. Did they come down or they didn't come down? Then he enters into God's victory. Right? Then he begins to misbehave in God's very victory. Then he comes and steps over God's victory again. Is that true? That God gave you the job, but you're not taking it seriously. That he gave you the job, but in that job you are stealing. That God gave you a girl that you don't deserve, but you're cheating on her. Uh-huh. That that girl would never look at you twice, were it not for the grace and mercy of God. But now you got her, and you're misbehaving. There is a misdemeanor in the house that God gave you a child that you prayed for earnestly, but now you won't parent the child. God is saying today that that must be dealt. That until the Babylonian outfit and the gold bar is out of your tent, victory, 
will forever be an illusion. Amen. And it's interesting that God is saying we can win, but we have to do something about the, win, the victory. What is God calling you and what is God dealing with you today? There's a second key. That every hidden sin must be exposed. And when we come to church, it's okay to give prayer points and say, oh, please pray for me. I'm struggling. Man, I'm struggling with masturbation. Pray for me. Pray for me. I'm struggling with lust. Pray for me. I'm struggling with materialism. Man, I just, I, 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 I am so materialistic. Pray for me. I'm struggling with patience. I'm struggling with gossip. I love serving tea. I've bought several teapots. I like serving people tea. Pray for me. I've become a teapot trader. Baby, if you sit with me, I'll just start serving you tea. Pray for me. I'm struggling with gossiping. I like talking about people. Pray for me. I like the silence in the house. It's, it's a teaching message. Three things and then we close. Scripture says now, when, when they asked Achan, bros, what did you do? He answered. He had an answer. He said, my son Achan, I beseech you, tell me, give glory to God. So, glory to God is given, not when we are joining the move in worship, but as the move is leading us to the presence of God, you're also exposing the, the garment, the Babylonian garment under your house. Amen? Amen. There's a Babylonian government that must be exposed today. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. And this is what I have done. Verse 21. When I saw among the spoils, when I saw among the spoils, when I saw among the Ain't it interesting that God is saying, See, I have given you the city. Then the enemy is saying, see the spoils. That there will always be a force trying to hijack your vision. God gives you an opportunity. See, I have given you the city. For you, you are saying, see, I can now buy fridge. Hijacked vision. Hijacked vision. That God is now lifting you up. The pastor is saying, arise. Then you can finally say, man, now my wardrobe is about to receive revival. Oh, God. He says, I saw among the spoils now a beautiful Babylon. Now there's an argument here. And the argument is, God, you must be an unfair, God, because this guy has been walking in the desert for 40 years. Now they said that they, they had the same outfit for 40 years. He has finally said, if it is a justified desire, but the justified desires of our heart does not suspend the commands and instruction of God. That desire does not cancel out obedience. That you can desire something that is wrong inside the victory of God. You are in God's victory. Can you imagine? You are in God. Okay, let me demonstrate this. Do you know that you are in the presence of God does not mean Satan is not there also? Okay. Scripture says that Jesus was fasting. Jesus was fasting. You can imagine the spiritual power. But as he was fasting, he was talking to who? Uh-huh. So that you are in God's presence does not mean Satan is not there with you. You are right. Achan is, let me tell you, I'm wondering. You know, we have the, the laziness that, you know, we know the story. The walls came down. We won. 
But think about it with, with me for a minute. Let's say it like this. I say today, Monday, no going to work, we meet at Central Bank. You know where Central Bank is? Then we start walking around. Eh? And then as we walk around, the walls come down. And then all the reserves, so the, the CBK governor said we have $7 billion in cash, in dollars, reserve, gold reserve. It comes out. <laughs> and we are given the liberty to take. Won't that be shocking? Can you imagine that God's shocking supernatural act and miracles does not disciple the heart to obedience? That's my point. That they were, he was right in the middle of a move of God now. Let me give you perspective. Before then, no other wall had ever fallen in history. This was something new. That is why the just man does not live by miracles. The just man lives by faith. Now, the challenge of faith is that it comes, but it comes how? By hearing. And hearing what? The word of God. So the man of God, the child of God then lives by God's word. It says man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. That the signs and wonders does not justify or does not guarantee your discipleship. Your discipleship is guaranteed by exposing what's under your tent. He said, I saw. In proper perspective, that's our second point. That the challenge in taking the city, there are times we will come where we will have improper perspective. And in those days we pray that God fix my vision. Fix my vision. That you can come to a place where you know that when God opens, I've said this 1,000 times, that when God opens a door, it's not your door, it's our door. Because that's God's plan. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Praise the Lord. I am now breaking here the curse of selfishness. Because what I have, you have. What you have, I have. Amen. Amen. Hey, that is kingdom. That is Bible. And we must get back there. You know we are in Nairobi. There are spooks. People are spooky. 1,000 times, no. We are in a fellowship. Amen. In proper perspective, God fix my vision, fix my vision. And I have sinned again as the Lord. I saw among the spoil of Babylonian garment 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them. I coveted them in proper desire and took them. And there they are, hidden in my heart, that it was improper vision, improper perspective, quickly followed by improper desire. Do you know that what you see determines your desire? Praise the Lord. What you see determines your desires. That is why it is important to fix your eyes on Jesus. It is important to fix your eyes on businesses that are working. It is important to fix your eyes on marriages that are working. It is important to fix your eyes on things that are above. Put your mind there. Because it determines your vision. We cannot be at a place where our vision is corrupted by what we are experiencing. That it's corrupted so much so that people in Kenya are beginning to say, what use is working hard if only the corrupt are advancing? It's because your eyes are on the wrong thing. Improper perspective gives birth to improper desire. Now listen, the heart of a man is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Don't allow your life to be led by your desires. We are not desire-led. We are spirit-led. Amen. We are spirit-led. We must be led by the spirit. Praise the Lord. Remember I talked about DSP, destiny-seeing. 
even when it comes to business, when you're praying about that opportunity, what is the Spirit of God saying? What's your conviction about what you must do? I remember when we, we started Rivers Church and we were meeting vocalists, and many of them would say, I need time to pray. I need time to pray. I need time to pray. I want to know what is God saying? What is God leading? It could be the very desire of my heart, but that desire is not incorruptible. It says, above all else, guard your heart with all diligence. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. For out of it flows the issues of life. Improper vision can easily seek into your, seep into your heart and bring you to a place of improper desires. And God is calling us today to examine some of your desires. I have some desires that I believe must be taken to the cross. And there are things I've desired that are not of God. Hey, I see people moving forward. Now, you want me to tell your desires? Eh? You want me to tell you the ones I'm also uh, revealing? You know, you tell me yours. Uh, hey, you tell me yours first. We must crucify improper desire. There's desire in your heart that is not of God. Those are the obstacles that bring defeat. There's desire in your heart. Listen, not every, there is something, there is the vision of God. And we were praying on Friday. We're praying for the vision of God. Point was prayer point number 18. Praying for God's vision. But there's also the vision that comes from the flesh. Man's ambition. That is Achan right there. And that is why sometimes the prayer points must be saved by the Spirit of God. So that we are praying for the right things. Amen. Desiring something because of a vision that has been adjacked introduces the spirit of Achan in your life. He said, I coveted them. Then look at what followed. As they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. I coveted them and then I took them. Improper vision will birth improper desire. And the improper desire will birth improper action. You see it. You desire it. Then what happens? You take it. Then, then defeat is in your tent. Doesn't that sound like Eve? She saw it. She desired it. And then she took it. And what happened? She fell down. What must you deal with? this Sunday morning. I invite us to pray. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for sticking into the end. We hope you are blessed by this message. Follow us for more of these messages when new episodes drop and make sure to rate us so that more people can find out about us. Bye-bye.